into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. Still on their summer break, but it felt about time for us to come back and start our own pre-season as such. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined as ever for the new campaign, a man who's hopefully fighting fit and ready to get back into shape, <laughs> Mark Donaldson. Oh, I'm fighting. I don't think I've been fit since I was 15 years old. I was just looking back. June the 7th was the last time, episode 189, the last time we were all back together doing um, Scarves Around the Funnel. And and that was the episode that that you said uh, for the first time in 786 years, we would be uh, (laughs) taking a little bit of a a sabbatical. We we would be having a a summer break. And it kind of took me back, Laurie, to... Football the way it used to be in the 70s and 80s, where end of April, start of May, that would be the season ending, and then players would go on the bevy for a couple of months, come back at the end of July. And and then I realised it's not even been a month. It's the 5th of July when we record this. That was on June the 7th. So we really are kind of keeping up to date with the way that football is these days. A quick two or three week break, refresh ourselves, and delighted to be back. And thank you for all your comments as well. Um, when Laurie put out a tweet saying that we were we were coming back. Um, it's nice to kind of know that people actually listen out there with all the options that, that they have. How how was your I was gonna say summer been, but how how were your two and a half weeks that you didn't get the chance to to speak to everyone? Well, it was good. It was good to have a a little a little break period, I think, but of course missed chatting to to you and unfortunately our 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 usual third person mr ryan mcgowan couldn't make it he was due to come on um his reason he gave for not being on we're recording this on tuesday the 5th as you mentioned he says he's playing between kingsley and pollock um and i think that's because if you look at the hearts lineup for tonight's friendly with east fife which is in play as we speak um between stephen kingsley and finley pollock in the lineup it says trialist um, yeah, Ryan, Ryan's been called a lot of things. I don't think he's ever been called Joe Wright before. <laughs> so, yes, we'll um, make of that what you will. We'll, we'll hopefully have Mr. McGowan back on next week. Um, in his place, we have an able-bodied replacement. Um, we're delighted to be joined again by the Evening News uh, reporter, Mr. Barry Anderson. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, Laurie. I'm uh, extremely privileged to be hauled off the bench to as a substitute for Ryan McGowan. That's probably the highlight of my football career. <laughs> <laughs> Just let's let's put something into context. First of all, guys are called off this morning. This Barry's not a replacement today. This is going to be a four man panel. I'm not having you done, sir. Barry's doing us the honour of being our first guest of the new season and a season we hope to have a lot more guests. Barry was always going to be a guest from Monday or Tuesday. Uh, no, from yesterday, and it was it wasn't until this morning that that Gowser 
decided to it's very murky and very he's not even telling us what's going on so i'm looking forward to seeing what's going on but to say that barry's a replacement is wrong barry was always going to be part of this first episode and uh it just so happens that uh he's number three um and gauzer is is not available tonight so thank you for uh for joining us barry no nah, no problem i enjoyed the chat last time so i'm looking forward to to getting the teeth in there again just ruin the drama, Mark. It's more drama. I'll piss 50. off you, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and I can have a little dig at Ryan just if when he's not here. Just to, you know, I'm having to get a last minute replacement because he couldn't come the, on. The drama is what Gowser's up to, because normally he's as open as as like a, a book, whether it's Believe, Maroon Heart, <laughs> Stevie Nichols' autobiography, anything that Barry's written. Uh, but this time he's he's been very coy. There's something going on with Gowser, and it's very suspicious. <laughs> You're building this up. It's going to be. I don't know. Be, I don't know what's going, going on. That's nothing the thing. exciting, and you know, people are thinking, "Oh my God, he's he's actually managed to persuade Robbie to bring him on." Oh, trust um, me, I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> we've all we've all tried. Anyway, so um, welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel. This is pre-season, so um, we we're going to cover a few topics, of course. But we also thought, since it's pre-season, we're going to work in a few things, and we're going to put a few things out there. So before. The proper stuff starts. We're going to maybe ask you, the listeners, for a bit of feedback and some ideas ahead of the new campaign. What segments would you want us to include for the new season? What guests do you want us to get on? Is there anything you want to hear more regularly when we get into the proper season? So we're still kind of stretching ourselves off, getting back into the swing of things. So um, might be a bit rusty, but yeah, let's let's get some ideas out there. So give us a tweet at around the funnel, or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk so thoughts ahead of the new season what you want to hear on the podcast any ideas and yeah we'll, we'll see what we can do over the next few weeks in terms of planning for the competitive football in terms of this week's episode we're going to talk a bit about hearts pre-season so far uh, signings potential signings uh, matches that are coming up and a few other bits and bobs that have uh, has come out there in the Twitter sphere and on the news stories so far. Okay, first up, we're going to talk about Hearts' pre-season preparations. And one of the big reasons for getting Barry on is because he was as close as anyone to Hearts' training camp over in the Costa del Sol in Spain. Um, so first up, Barry, I, I won't call it a holiday because you've already got a bit sensitive about that one. Um, it was a work trip, but uh, how was it over there in Spain uh, having a look and keeping tabs on the Hearts camp? Well, yeah, yeah, it was a work trip, but um, in keeping with a holiday, I still needed three bottles of Factor 50, a duffel coat and a fire blanket to survive. Five days. <laughs> so, uh, and I do the same when I go abroad on holiday. So it was similar in that way. Well, overall, yeah, I mean, it was a good trip. Um the the location that Hearts picked was up in the hills, kind of above the Costa del Sol. So just obviously no distractions up there and keeping the players away from the kind of busy coastal areas. Um, they had their own training pitch, which is where they played against Europa on the Thursday. <clears throat> there was some intense training done, but there was also plenty of downtime and uh, a little sort of lighter workouts as well. They saw them playing kind of football, tennis and things like that, uh, just to keep themselves going. The temperatures... The temperatures were a, a little bit of an inconvenience in terms of trying to get training sessions done, but that was part of the, deliberate on the part of Hearts because they wanted mm -hmm. 
the players to be over there and experiencing those temperatures in case they end up uh, playing away from home in those kind of temperatures in Europe over the, the, the next couple of months. So, yeah, overall, uh, quite a deliberate uh, ploy by the management team and everybody I spoke to seemed to enjoy it and seemed to think that it was worthwhile and uh, and, and worth doing. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if the if Hearts go back to Lakala at some point in the future. In terms of players, obviously we know the core squad. Uh, new signing Kai Rolls wasn't as part of the camp it went over initially. He was obviously given extended break, as was Nathaniel Atkinson after being on international duty. Uh, what did you see of the newer signings um, and any of the younger players, obviously Alan Forrest, Lewis Nielsen, uh, George Grant. I know Alex Cochran is a new signing, but we've, we've seen a bit of him. But did you get to see much of the newer signings or any of the younger players who are, who are getting involved? Yeah, we spoke to we spoke to all those guys, um, apart from Alan Forrest. So firstly, I mean, Alec Cochran, as you say, everyone knows what, what Alec's about, um, taking a chance to to leave an English Premier League club and come back to Hearts and, and push for a regular first-team place, which I think is probably a, a good thing from his perspective. I, I couldn't see him playing regularly in the English Premier League for Brighton at the age he's at just now. So uh, I think it made sense for him to come up here and go to a club that he already knows and, and is appreciated and knows the, the, the setup and the environment. <clears throat> um, George Grant arrived at Hearts camp on the Sunday night and we spoke to him on the Monday. Very articulate guy, very well-spoken, um, clearly driven and knows what he wants. Sees this as a big opportunity at Hearts, as you could imagine, having played um, sort of League One and English Championship in the last couple of years. So he never got an opportunity to play in Europe. Uh, so he was pretty, you know, pretty buzzing about that and, and eager to get going. Uh, spoke also to Lewis Nielsen after the game on Thursday, uh, which was... Well, which was actually published in our paper today. Yeah, so I saw that. Yeah, he was pretty. Um, he was he was one. He was knackered for a start because he was the only one of only three players to play ninety minutes in the game. Uh, and when he came off, if you actually looked at his shirt, it was a completely different shade of maroon to the others because <laughs> open wet uh, temperatures were thirty degrees. So, but I mean, he still came over. He was, to be fair to him, he wasn't you know ready to collapse like most of us would have been. He was you know barely out of breath. He was just over talking away. So he he looked very composed in the game. I'd have to say that Europa weren't a great side, um, and so the level of opposition wasn't a brilliant test for Hearts. Um, but everything that he was asked to do, he did extremely well uh, throughout the whole of ninety minutes. George Grant came off, came on, sorry, at half time, uh, very comfortable on the ball, quite keen to get on the ball, knock it past an opponent, and, and drive forward. Also very capable of spraying balls out wide right and wide left. Um, seems to have good vision um, and good technique. Alan Forrest was excellent. Came on at right wing back. Scored both the goals, as you might have seen from some of the highlights. But really, you know, a lot of kind of direct running. Not just forwards as well, but backwards when he had to track a runner. On the few occasions he had to do the defensive side, he was more than willing and able to do that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Overall, I thought the, the new lads looked good, but the best player on the park for me on Thursday, again, I would caveat this with pointing out the level of opposition, but the best player on the pitch was Connor Smith. Mm, okay, yeah. In a central midfield role um, in the first half and was very, very good. It had a driving run forward, which set up the opening goal for Gary Mackay-Steven. And then in the second half, he was moved out to left wing back 
and I, I've never seen Connor play wing back in my life. Um, but he was again very confident, very adept at it. Good technical footballer who's added a little bit, he's bulked up a little bit physically and he's added a bit of aggression to his game as well. So, um, be interesting to see how he does over the you know the friendlies between now and the end of the month. Where do you think the goals are coming from? I know from yeah, you've yeah. only seen the one game, um, and I know there's still a lot of work still to be done, but the way that they set up the different shapes that they played. Who's likely, as it stands right now, to be getting among the goals? Yes, I think that's the, the million-dollar question, isn't it, Mark? Because you've you've got Liam Boyce there. He's your only established striker, your only recognised first-team striker. Um, Ewan Henderson's come back from Aloha and obviously will get an, an opportunity. Played on Thursday and we'll get more opportunities in these friendlies to come. Is he going to lead the line for Hearts in Europe? Let's be honest, no, he's not. Um, he's not quite ready for that yet, so... There's, they have to sign at least one one striker. I would argue they might need to sign two, depending on whether they, they plan to play Liam Boyce. Is he going to be a number 10 this season or, or more of a centre-forward? Um, I think they need more goals from wide areas. Uh, they would look at, you know, you'd be hoping to get more goals from Barry Mackay. You'd certainly be hoping to get more out of Gary Mackay-Steven uh, in the long run. George Grant should be chipping in with a few, you would think, Um although he can create as much as score from, from what we're led to believe and what I've seen of him. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, th- I certainly think there has to be more of a share of the goals around the team uh, next year because Liam Boyce took on a lot of the responsibility himself mm. last season and um, needs a bit of help, I would suggest. Do you, do you think when the season begins, first game, that it might be a case that Boyce will lead the line if we haven't got a striker. And that would mean George Grant playing in the, the number 10 role behind him with Barry Mackay on one side and someone else on the other. Is that the most likely scenario right now if, as the weeks go on, we, we struggle to get in the striker that we're hoping to get? Yeah, right now, from the squad that's there just now, if you're picking your centre-forward, you're picking Boyce, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure we would all agree with that. Uh Janelli, Josh Janelli, I think, is the sort of player who could p- play a role there. He'll play a role up there, depending on how you want to play. He's obviously got plenty of pace and played up front through the middle a couple of times last season, did okay. So that's a, an option, but definitely at the moment, Liam Boyce is your, is your centre forward, I think. And if Ellis Sims cut, if you manage to get Ellis Sims or Lauren Shankland, then I think that's, that's when you would look at Boyce potentially playing a little bit deeper. But at the moment, he is uh, he is the striker. He is the the guy in possession and, and the guy to be dislodged. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Ellis Sims, so I'll jump across to that because there are obviously a few rumours going about, as is always the case in the summer. Um, and yeah, if you if you go on if you go on social media, you see a lot of Hearts fans saying the the club should cough up if there is money involved, and I think. Uh, you and a few others have have made a pertinent point about these deals not just being about a transfer fee but being about potential wages as well um, when Robbie was on actually the last episode of course the Scarves Around the Funnel last month Robbie Nielsen was on and he suggested Hearts would not be able to afford Ellis Sims and he would likely go to the English second tier um, is that still your feeling with this potential player? In a word, yes. I think that's as, as as things stand just now. I think that's most likely that he'll end up in the English Championship, either on a permanent move or a loan. I think Everton are, are willing to do a permanent move, a permanent transfer. 
Um, and I think Hearts could afford the, the transfer fee because it would be roughly about half a million pounds, which isn't beyond them. But the wages are, you know, are well beyond them. Uh, you know, the, the salary that Simmons is on is probably more than double Hearts' biggest earner at the moment. Mm. So, you know, it doesn't make sense. He's a good player, and I think he'd be a, a real asset to Hearts next season. But I don't think it makes sense to destroy your wage structure for for one player. Yeah, and the problem as well. Mark, is it's not just, you know, again, you, you see some people commenting going, if it's 10 grand a week, that's only X and we can make that back. <laughs> but the problem is, it's not just what you pay him. If you pay one player double, uh, which could, mm-hmm. I, you know, we don't know if that's definite, but if you pay him a significant amount more than everyone else, the highest earners, then what happens with all the other first team players who are now on half of one of their teammates? Couple of things about this. I would be amazed, absolutely astonished, if Ellis Sims is not on five figures a week. I'm pretty convinced that he is. That could easily be 15, anything. That, Hearts can't afford that. Secondly, Hearts pay the money for the transfer fee. They sign Ellis Sims. Ellis Sims comes with a wage requirement that he's not going to take anything less unless Everton pay him up what, what he's getting, but he's not going to do that. And then Mr. Gordon, the club captain, knocks on the door and says, um, yeah, rem- remember the contract extension I signed that says uh, I should be getting the same as the top earner at the football club? Well, I want to activate that now. And then along comes someone else who's signed a new extended contract last season and said, remember that I had to be in the top three earners at the football club or, or the same as the top earner? It is just a, it's a house of cards. It ain't going to happen with that. So that's that's why I'm hoping that if I'm Everton, right, I, I don't, Everton, it would have been different if they'd gone down. And I think Ellis Sims would have been a part of their squad in the championship, especially now with Richarlison going to Spurs. But they've stayed up, right? So money isn't an issue. Um, they've got owners who are trying to sell Farhad Mashiri. They're trying to move the stadium. Ellis Sims and getting half a million or whatever, is for me, if I'm them, I put him back to hearts, not to the championship, because okay, unless he's the top scorer in a championship and gets 25 goals, that's different. But if he's depending on the championship side, if he was going to one that's going to kind of struggle um, to make chances, he ain't going to get 25 goals a season. So he's got the opportunity at hearts to get European football on loan again, hopefully. Hearts could pay a little bit more than they paid last year if that's what Everton want. But with the European football and on a European stage, if he ended up doing not what James Tavernier did and was top scorer in the competition, but wait a minute here, he, he would attract attention. Everton could get a lot more than half a million for him if he did that. That's just my way of thinking. I don't know what other championship clubs are in for him. They can pay a hell of a lot more than Heart of Midlothian Football Club can. That is the problem, and that's where, where Barry's spot on about that. So Ellis Sims... Uh... Probably looks like an unlikely, not impossible, especially if there's a loan on the table, but a permanent deal would seem unlikely. Um, some other rumours that have been flying about, let's get your thoughts, Barry. Uh, another striker, Lawrence Shankland, is maybe a bit more in this one? Uh, long term, yeah, I would think so. Um, not too much moving on it at the moment that I know of anyway. I mean, clearly it does Shanklin no good to be st- sitting in Belgium playing second division football. That's not going to get his Scotland career going again. So he he's not stupid. He knows that 
he needs to move. He would happily join Hearts in, in a minute. Um, but the clubs need to agree a fee. That hasn't happened at the moment. I think they were relatively far apart last time I heard. Um, so it's a, it's a, I, th- I can see that one running on a little bit and people's expectations falling as the as the end of the window approaches. You know, the further you get into August, mm-hmm. you know, we're short or likely to realise, look, if we're going to sell him and get some money back, we have to bring the fee down. Um, and I dare say maybe even Shanklin's own expectations would need to come down as well in terms of terms of uh, what kind of package he's looking for. But, in terms of in terms of Shanklin, so I mean, you do see some people looking at the fact you know he did well in the championship, but at Dundee United, his scoring rate was not overly impressive. But um, there's always a bit of context about that, isn't it? In terms of how he was utilised and how that Dundee United team played. Yeah, very much so. Um, he certainly thrives. It's not like any striker is going to thrive in a team that creates more chances. Hearts create more chances than the Dundee United team that he played in. So it would be a case of him getting in there and finishing them off. Um, I think in, I think he feels... He certainly seemed to look settled at United when you know, it was Robbie Nielsen and Lee McCulloch, Gordon Forrest, who brought him in from here United. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and he settled very quickly and, and was a really good striker for them so I, th- I think that kind of relationship and bond would help him at hearts um, but I mean there's nothing there's nothing guaranteed it's it's very much a case of wait and see how it develops he is definitely one of the ones you know that's up the top of the priority list so and if they have to hang on I think towards you know into August and towards the second half of August even if that was necessary to get him I think they would do that Another name which has been mentioned a few times, someone who scored an absolute cracker at Tynecastle last season, albeit for the opposition. Connor Ronan, under contract at Wolves, was of course on loan at St Mirren last campaign, attracting interest from a few clubs. Aberdeen, very much interested in him. Um, how do you see that one going at the moment? Is there serious interest from Hearts? Is again this an issue with the fee similar to Shankland? Yeah, similar in some ways. Um, there's certainly interest from Hearts. They're just kind of waiting to see how it pans out. Wolves are have still, still to decide what they're going to do with Ronan, if they're going to sell him, if they're going to loan him out, if he's going to stay there and be part of the first-team squad. I think that's still to be decided over the next few weeks as they get into their pre-season. So Hearts will wait and see what transpires. Um, and if he's leaving, whether it be loan or permanent, I think they would, they would think that Hearts would think they would have a decent chance of getting him. Again, the lure, lure of European football is an advantage that they have over Aberdeen, but you could look at it the other way and Aberdeen have a manager there who did well um, for, for Ronan when he was at St Mirren last season and, and got a, a fair amount out of him. So there's clearly a, a relationship in place there. So that might work in their favour, who knows. Where do you think Conor Ronan would fit into the team then if if Hearts were to acquire him with, you know, with the likes of George Grant maybe playing... Slightly more advanced, would Conor Ronan be the deeper player in that? Well, if you're looking at them playing three four three, three four two one, if you if that's if you want to be specific <laughs> about it, then Ronan clearly fits into one of the one of the two. You know, the two behind the striker. Yeah. Um, and if if you're playing four two three one, then he can play. I think anywhere across the the three behind the striker. So there's plenty of options there, um, and I think. I think it's quite becoming quite clear that the management team at Hearts 
feel that they want more options in there. I don't think they feel there was enough quality last season. I think they felt they created chances but could have created more and certainly feel they could have and should have scored more. So I think the feeling is if they create more competition in that area, then it'll, you know one player will drive another player on and, mm-hmm. and so on because you'll have potentially, you would have, well, at the moment anyway, you've got Mackay Stephen, you've got George Grant, you've got Barry Mackay, uh, you've got Josh Ginelli. Liam Boyce also maybe if he's going to be played in a kind of number 10 role or withdrawn role off a striker. So there's five guys. If you add Connor Rowan into that mix, there's six. You know, that's a fair a fair number to be competing for potentially only two or three spots. So it's going to get pretty intense. And I think I think that's what they want to happen. I think they want that intensity of competition for next season. And uh, one of the other, well, not really a rumour as such, because he is with Hearts just now, albeit as a trialist. It's not Ryan McGowan. It's um, the man who's just scored, uh, just uh, as we've been recording this. Um, uh, well, just Here's the Hearts tweet. A good set-piece delivery from Grant on the left finds Trialist who scores with a diving header to make it three. That's in the first half in this friendly against East Fife, which is currently 3-0 to Hearts uh, at the break. Now, that Trialist is centre-back, uh, former Doncaster player Joe Wright, who has been linked to Hearts quite a bit, hasn't he, Barry? He's had a very serious injury, which is kept him out for quite some time. Um, the likelihood of him becoming a permanent player at Hearts? I genuinely don't know at this minute because it all depends how he copes. They certainly like him because they had a deal in place to sign him last May, May 2021. Uh, they had a deal in place that he was coming He was coming in and the, the terms and everything were agreed. Um, so that, that for that Injury, um, ankle and knee. I think he did in the in the final his final game for Doncaster Rovers. That's left, you know, it's a huge setback for him, and he's been he's had to work so hard to try and get to this point where he's able to come in and train with Hearts. So now he's got that opportunity. He's clearly going to want to take it. And scoring on your debut as a trialist, you can't do much more than that. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's creating a little bit of an impression already. I heard good things about him. I haven't seen a lot of him. Um, bits and pieces here and there, but I did hear good things about him from people I spoke to down south who said that he was a, a good big player who would who would suit the Scottish game but was also composed and cultured enough to to improve um, and become an even better defender and, and, and better distributor of the ball. So um, I guess I think it's a case of watch this space. Hart certainly want another centre-back, another, another right-sided centre-back specifically. He fits that mould. So um, it'll be it'll be a case of just seeing how he copes with the fitness side of things and how whether he's fully recovered and rehabilitated and over these injury problems that he's had. Mark, when we had Robbie on the podcast, he talked about the squad for the coming season and he talked about looking at making it a squad of around twenty four. And the way he mm-hmm. said he was looking to have it structured was eighteen first team players and six. Um, his words were to help out. So I think what he's meaning was six players that you would easily rotate in the starting 11 should be good enough to start in any game and six players. So we've seen more squad players could come in and do a job, but not necessarily a first pick if everyone's available. So Mm -hmm. it was interesting. I was looking at the the squad we currently have. It's It's quite tricky to decide on who falls into that 18 because we've obviously... We've got, we, you could say we've got 18 first team players at least. 
However, I have a feeling that some of those might be on the cusp of being moved into a squad category, depending on the quality we can get. Um, I, I was trying to play a little game, so I'll see what you think of this. So that I was trying to think, who's the 18 senior just now? And I went through and I went, <laughs> Gordon, Michael Smith, Kingsley, Haring, Benny Beningame, McInef, Boyce, Gary McKay, Stephen, Atkinson, Devlin, Halliday, Mackay, Halkett, Sibick, Ginelli, Rolls, Cochran, Grant. However, there are three or four of those that I feel could get, I don't want to say demoted, but um, go down the pecking order ever so slightly. Um, and squad, I've put the likes of Stuart, Forrest, Nielsen. Um, and then you've got youngsters, Connor Smith, Ewan Henderson, Finlay Pollock. We don't know what will happen with them. Do you think that's where we'd be at just now in terms of the squad, that some players are possibly their position between being a first team pick and a squad player will be decided on what quality we can get in? Maybe. This is very similar. I did a piece on ESPN FC yesterday with Craig Burley looking for his predictions for the year ahead. We're still six weeks away from the English Premier League starting and we're still, it's closer for Scotland, I get that, but there's still a lot of, of stuff that can happen and I know Robbie's pretty optimistic that he'll get at least a another couple in in the next week or so. So to, to say that right now, I, I agree with, with what you said. Funnily enough, I was looking at the calendar ahead and September the 8th is the first uh, match day in the group stage of either the Europa League or the Conference League where we know we'll be playing. So what I did is I looked ahead just for the first two and the two games that we're going to need um, to utilise the squad, I would suggest, are the two games that will be on a Sunday because Hearts will be playing on the Thursday in Europe. St Mirren at home um, after our first European game. That's that's fine. I'm happy with that. The second one in game week eight is Motherwell away. That's when it gets a little bit tricky. And Robbie was talking about the difficulties of Thursday and Sunday and having the squad and making changes for the Sunday and freshening things up. If Hearts end up on match day two, with an away trip to goodness knows where. They're going to get back early hours, maybe even kind of breakfast time on, on the Friday morning, depending on where we draw. Um, you ain't going to train that day. You're going to go in and loosen up. And Saturday, you're going to have a light session. And Sunday, you've got the game. So that's when I think you'll you'll see. I'm actually glad that we've got St. Mirren at home because we can... I'm not saying that's a, that's a game that we'll win. We should win it. But we can work things out from, okay, that worked, that didn't work. There's got to be a lot of what Robbie's doing right now with his backroom staff and, and everyone else at the football club. And as Barry was talking about in Spain, they chose that for a reason. It just didn't just go to Spain because cheap beer or anything like that for any fans that were in the region. They went with a purpose because they knew that, well, it's a bit good on him. He was working over there and everybody <laughs> who works needs a bit of downtime as well. So there was a reason they chose that. So they'll know. They'll know that after game one, it's St. Mirren at home. After game two, it's Motherwell away. And I don't know. So say, say for example, Forrest starts in Europe. He might not start on the Sunday or he doesn't start in Europe. He might, he'll might he be the one that starts on the Sunday. So there'll probably be two or three players like that. That's why I think a squad of 24, I think minimum a squad of 24. And I would do squad of 26 with 20 first teamers and, and six. But again, that comes down to cash and... Well, we're rich right now, so why don't we go and sign lots of players? <laughs> you sound like you sound like the typical Hearts Twitter now. Um, so uh, obviously, quite a a solid squad, Barry. I think one of the the good things, and I heard you and Craig Fowler talking about this 
on your your evening news video catch-ups is the fact that Hearts haven't had this massive overhaul of the team. You know, they lost John Suter to Rangers. Obviously, they, they wouldn't have liked that to happen, but unfortunately, they couldn't stop it. Um, Loic Demure has finally left the building. Um, Ellis Sims returned to Everton, but not a transfer out as such. But not been much evil in terms of players leaving. It's mainly, on the whole, been a case of Hearts looking at areas they can improve. Um, that has to be important in what is going to be arguably Hearts' toughest season in years, given the demands of Europe. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely, Laurie. I mean, you guys will know yourself, you've totally invested in, in everything that Hearts do. How many seasons, twice a season really, summer and the, the winter transfer window, has there been complaints about Hearts overhauling their squad and needing to overhaul their squad because they've changed manager or too many failed signings or whatever the reason was. Um, and that's happened for pretty much since Robbie left in 2016. You know, that happened almost every transfer window. There was a major overhaul. So, and people were getting fed up with it and it, and it did contribute to, you know, to, to the poor form and poor results that left them bottom of the table when COVID hit. So I don't think anybody could deny that. So now when Robbie came back, he said right away that he wanted stability and he's tried to, tried to nurture that stability and this is the latest kind of part of it. He said they signed players in the championship who they knew could step up into the premiership. Stephen Kingsley, for example, uh, Andy Halliday. Uh, so that 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 was done very to Craig Gordon as well, clearly. So they wanted that foundation and they wanted the stability and continuity because let's be honest, any successful team has that. You have it's a stable environment, people know their jobs. There's a, there, yes, players come and go, but there is a there's a there's a, a core of the squad there, and that's what you need to be successful, um, both domestically and in Europe. So that's what Hearts are trying to work towards. Indeed, and news coming in: um, Stephen Kingsley's uh, scored a hat trick in the opening 17 minutes of the second half away to East Fife. Well, so, so let's check the odds on Heart of Midlothian to win the league because. Clearly, clearly that, that that's coming in. Don't you just love no, that, pre season? Come on, you love it. <laughs> winning the league's a given. Let's check the odds. Never mind this conference nonsense. Let's check the odds on, on Europa League because Kingsley, top scorer, right? Full back slash center. Tavernier did that for Rangers. So th- there you go. There. Why, why are we even playing the season? Why not just do the draw? Get the Hearts fans to go to the places we would have been playing in anyway on our way to winning the European trophy and, and just do it like that. It, yeah. Pre, remember the Julian Brelier years back in 2005? Your 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 French lover, Dunsire. They weren't sure about him <laughs> pre-season. And then he went on to become a fan favourite. And um, you stole a flag or you stole money from people, didn't you? Because you didn't give them the money back. Basically. <laughs> well, you're never going to drop this. No, no that pre, pre, this this summer's this summer's been tough, right? This summer's been tough because because of the alleged bribery and all sorts of of whatever for Qatar to get the World Cup. We don't have a World Cup in the summer, and we're 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 left kind of trolling the Hearts Twitter account looking for any news of potential goal scorers in a preseason friendly East Fife. We're just desperate for the football to to come back, and Kingsley a hat trick. And did he start the game? Did he come on at halftime? What's what's going on here? Uh, so he did start the game. So he's been on from the okay. start. He um, scored a sweet strike from range. 
Um, he scored with a header from a George yeah. Grant corner, and but the hat trick from the penalty. spot. Yeah. Now, who's our? So if Liam Boyce had scored all his penalties last season, I might have got an each way payout for top scorer. Um, and he should never have been a fifty to one shot at the start of the season. The bookies got lucky there, but we, I don't think, have a first choice penalty taker. Do we? I mean, there's a few that have tried. Could Kingsley be the answer for us from the spot? Or is George Grant the guy? I mean, I suppose with Kingsley, I, I would generally say yes. Why not? He's he's a great set-piece taker, sweet left foot. Although when I think of Kingsley taking a penalty, I do think back to the cup final against Celtic. And he didn't score oh, in the shootout. Thanks for that. But let's, let's not try and remember that. Um, Let's go to Twitter. We've had a few tweets ahead of the new season. Um, just asked how everyone was feeling. James Govan says the wait is over. Buzzing for the season ahead. Still plenty to do in the transfer window and it will be some exciting twists and turns. Hopefully can't wait for the European draw. That, of course, comes on the 1st of August when Hearts find out who they'll play in the playoff for the Europa League. Um, Tim Sander said, very optimistic. We need a couple more players, forwards and defence. And we've already spoken about certainly some forward options and defensive options for Hearts. In terms of defence, Barry, um, you mentioned Lewis Nielsen seemed to be you know very up to speed fitness wise. Uh, there's a bit of controversy around whether or not Hearts will be paying any money for him. Um, in terms of the type of player, what, what type of player is Lewis Nielsen? Uh, he's a very looks a very mature player for somebody who's only nineteen. Not just physically mature, but mature in football terms. Um, composed on the ball, clearly he's got you know that physicality about him, so he can deal with that side of the game. But uh, one thing I did notice from the Europa game, when he was sort of put under a little bit of pressure at the back, he, he wasn't flustered. He mm. he was composed enough to you know take the ball and and make a little bit of space for himself, make angles in order to try and play a pass forward into midfield. So um, yeah, it looks initially that like he'll be a good signing. I, I think long term. You know, Hearts would, Hearts would have had similar ideas bringing him in as they did John Souter and brought John Souter in from Dundee United when he was 19. And I remember people at the time saying, oh, this is, there's nothing great in this signing and it's not a particularly brilliant move. And Souter turned out, obviously, to be a tremendous uh, centre-half for Hearts. So I think they'll be hoping that Lewis Nielsen can follow the, the similar kind of development path. Um and establish himself over time over the next three, four years. Corner Radish message saying a bit of expectation management here. It will be a lot more difficult to secure third again this term. Aberdeen and Hibs will be better. Would be huge to consolidate in third. I don't care how about how closer we get to the old firm. Interesting, I've spoken about this with a few people actually, that this will be a challenging season for Hearts. They've got mm. European games to manage. And they've not had to; they've never had to manage this many European games. Uh, you know, there will be at least eight of them, and we do feel, Mark, that Aberdeen and Hibs will be better. I think Aberdeen will be better. I've got no idea what to expect from Hibs, and I don't really care. Uh, other teams, there's always one. I mean, Dundee United. It, we should be finishing third, and if we didn't have Europe. And we didn't finish third, it would be a huge disappointment. But this is this is the great unknown. It's a minimum of eight games 
two qualifiers to decide if it's the Europa League or the Conference League, and then six games, three on our travels. So we're going to get back in the middle of the night on Friday and then play three games on Sunday um, in in half the, the time we're in the group. So I remember this time last year, a bit closer to the season, we did predictions. You got it spot on. You said third. I said fourth. I'm not... I'm not as confident this year. If we'd had previous about, okay, right, we can learn from that. We did that in Europe, but then we didn't do that on a Sunday or whatever. Right, we can learn from it. We don't have that yet. So there's a bit of kind of flying without wings about this. But I don't think the rest of the teams in the league out with Rangers and Celtic are very good. Um, So it's it's a tough one. I think... European football this season, if we finish no lower than fourth and get European football the following season, and I think if, if we can somehow sneak to after Christmas, I think that would be a successful season. If we don't get after Christmas, I think we kind of have to finish third again because otherwise they'll be saying, oh, well, there's, they're on a hiding to nothing here. It's great to look forward to, but this will be very, very difficult. With the squad of, of only 24 and 18 first-teamers and six others, I think you're asking a lot to finish third and try and get after Christmas having played eight European ties. Uh, this is this is going to be a tough season for Hearts. Thankfully, a lot of the other teams in the league shouldn't be that great, but they'll be fresher on a Sunday when they play us, won't they? I don't know what you're talking about. The season's going to be easy. Look at that. Hearts are 7-0 up now. Alan Forrest comes on, makes it seven against East Fife, only 64 minutes in the clock. We're, we're walking the league. Uh, uh, Eddie message saying should be another good season but I hope we are concentrating on finding a solid backup keeper to Craig Gordon hashtag number one priority interestingly Barry it's not a position that I've seen any rumours about I don't know if you've heard anything it's certainly a position I would expect Hearts to be looking to bring a player in or is there potential that Harry Stone might make up the, the, the three keepers for the new campaign yeah, um, there's not been a lot said about it. And Harry Stone was obviously over in Spain last week and is, and is seen by Hearts as a potential future number one. So if you're going to blood him, you have to you have to do it fairly soon. Um, I, I think, I don't know if you would look at a situation where he might play in some of the, maybe the Premier Sports Cup games, uh, knockout rounds, obviously, because Hearts are not in the group stages. So... Is that an option? Possibly. But then what about Ross Stewart? He's firmly regarded as the second choice keeper. Where does he fit in? Um, clearly, no one's going to get in ahead of Craig Gordon at the moment. So it's a little bit of a puzzle for Hearts because they do need to they do need to look beyond Gordon. Eventually, he's not going to be there forever. And they do have to make sure there's another another option around there. And Harry Stone is, is clearly a very good goalkeeper and does at the moment anyway seem to have that potential to be number one. But he has to play more games. Um, it's, it's a challenging position, this one, isn't it, Mark? Because you know you can most other positions in the in the park. Not only can players be slightly more flexible, and if they play left back, they might be able to play centre back or whatnot, or they could, could play left or right side midfield. So you can blood players, or you can give you can give a player 15, 20 minutes at the end of a game if you're comfortable. Take the senior player off when you're a goalkeeper. And your goalkeeper is your best player, and he's not someone you're going to find a, a backup who's anywhere near as good. It's very hard to to find a player, and then 
convince them to, to come and sign for you if they know the only way they're going to play is if that number one is basically suspended or injured. A lot of this is down to Craig Gordon. Craig Gordon has 70 caps for Scotland right now, so there's no chance of him retiring in the the, the kind of short term. He'll play at least another couple of seasons, I reckon. He'll definitely play this season, and I'm pretty sure that he'll play the following season because it was a two-year contract that he signed, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was like a, yeah. it was a, I think it was two and a half at the time, wasn't it? So it was another yeah. two full seasons. Yeah, it was through until summer of 2024, right? So he's he's going he's gonna to play those two. He's going to have his eye on playing for Scotland, um, getting beyond Tom Boyd, which will happen, and then maybe trying to get towards Darren Fletcher above Paul McStay and Alex McLeish. So Craig's on 70, McStay's on 76, McLeish is on 77, and Fletcher's on 80, Tom Boyd's on 72. This is all getting to the fact that he ain't going anywhere for for at least the next two years. So there's a reason that Harry Stone will probably end up, because they want him playing games. He ain't going to be Craig Gordon's replacement if he spends the next two years on on the Hearts bench. They want him playing games. And I know it didn't work out at Partick Thistle because I think he got suspended or he he made an error or something and and the guy that came in kept loads of clean sheets in a row and Harry didn't get his his gig back. So they ended up sending him back to Albion Rovers. They've spoken, whether it's been Robbie or Lee, when they've come on the podcast, I'm sure they've mentioned this to Barry as well in the Edinburgh Evening News, of... The, the 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 process of a loan signing and and or sending someone out on loan that's what they'll do with Harry Stone. So he'll probably spend this year on loan somewhere else and then see how he gets on. That's why they they added Ross Stewart and gave him a a deal. When like is he the best backup goalkeeper we've ever had? No, he's not. But the problem we've got is if Craig gets hurt, that's the issue. And God forbid that he. He gets hurt, and if if he does, we're we're in trouble. If we can rely on Craig to stay fit for the season, it shouldn't be an issue. But we don't have a very good backup. I, I think right now, compared to to what we could have. But as you're saying, how are you going to get someone that's going to come to the club to sit in the? We've got what we've got, and it's not been spoken about because there's no need right now. Craig signed a two year deal, or up to 2024. Ross Stewart's his backup. Harry Stone will go out on loan. That's 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 what it is right now with Hearts. Right, looking at some other news, uh, Barry, another one that popped up in the evening news today. I know you were reporting on Aaron Hickey, who at the time of recording this, it's not been announced, but he is set to join Brentford for £14 million, potentially rising to £17 million. Um, is this a good move for the young former Hearts player? And the big question on everyone's lips, how much money are Hearts going to make out of this deal if it goes through? Yeah, the, well, I'll deal with the second question first. Um, <laughs> Hearts, get a, Hearts get six figures if this deal goes through. The other from what my understanding is, they had a pre-agreed uh, amount that was written in the, the deal with Bologna uh, as a sell-on agreement. So if Bologna did a deal, then Hearts get a pre-agreed figure, which is which amounts to six figures. So it's a, I think it's a, it's a, it's a reasonable it's a, for for Hickey. That's a good move. Um, he spent two years in Italy. He's clearly a more developed player now than he was before he went there. 
probably picked up another language, had some brilliant life experience, and now he comes to play in the English Premier League for a club that, okay, they're not going to be winning the English Premier League and probably not even challenging for Europe, but he's more likely to play every week there than he would be if he'd have gone to an Arsenal who were reportedly interested. I'm not I'm not entirely convinced just how strong their interest was, but uh, they were certainly one of a, a few clubs who, who looked at him. Um, so I think for Hickey, it's a great, it's a great move um, to one of the best, if not the best, league in the world. And at an age where he's just come into the Scotland squad and is looking to try and cement a regular place there, it's um, it's, it's, it's a step up in my in my opinion. Mark, much will be made of the the sell on. Obviously, six figures could be there could be um, drastic differences in what six figures means, but. I know some people were hoping there was 20% sell-on, etc. Um, I don't know if this is just a bit of a case of, at the time, Hearts just really needed as much of a transfer fee as they could get, and that's why maybe the sell-on isn't possibly as good as some hoped. First of all, no one knows for sure. Right, because we've you two are in a, a better position than than, than most because you've heard Barry, those. Barry just told us. No, I, I, but I'm saying a hundred percent. Do you not believe the evening news? <laughs> given this, the messages <laughs> that you've been sending, given the messages you've been sending, going back and forward. Oh, contrary to what I first thought, um, it's now this, and then yeah, another one. Well, contrary to what I first thought, and then a second thought, it's back to what I thought first of all, which is what Barry said. So there is some conjecture. <laughs> Right about how much it, it, it will be. I believe Barry, and and you're right. It when he, I mean, when when Hearts had him, there was all sorts of teams that, that were in, in for him, but we needed to sell at the time. So it, you you can't be in a position to to kind of say right, you know what, we're going to get this amount, or if it's twenty million, then we're going to get two million because it's. 10% or something like that. If it is six figures, it is six figures. Look, that is something that was done when it was done. There's nothing you can do about that now. And if, if it's six figures regardless, then maybe 14 million to Brentford or however much has, has supposedly been agreed is probably easier to take than if he went for 25, 30 million and we thought we were going to get 20% of that, which could be six million or something like that. Like It, it, it is what it is. I'm just delighted that a kid who came through having spent time at Hearts and, and bearing in mind Celtic were the ones that, that kind of got him initially. And we had to, I think we had to pay them, did we not? 30% or something? Yes. When he when yeah. he went to, yeah. So we did well when, when we got him. Um, he did well for Hearts. I think he played in that cup final and people were surprised in, in 2019. Man of the match, did, basically, against James He was Forrest. outstanding. He was absolutely outstanding. And I just, I'm proud that, that we've had a part to play in this young player's career progression because the only way is up for this kid and the fact he can play right-sided as well because with Tierney and Robertson for the national team and I know Barry's a huge national team supporter and goes to to all the games um yes Nathan Patterson's at right back but isn't really playing for for Everton uh Tony Ralston at Celtic did a right when he got his debut there's got to be a chance Barry that that Aaron Hickey at right back or right wing back, depending on the formation that Steve Clark goes with, is a mainstay in that Scotland team in the future. Yeah, definitely, Mark. I think it'll depend where he plays for Brentford. Yeah. If they see him as a right-sided fullback or a left-sided fullback, 
Um, I still, there's a little bit at the back of my own mind that wonders whether Aaron Hickey long-term will end up becoming a holding midfield player. Hmm. Because he, he played there, didn't he, for a, quite a bit in the Hearts youth team. I'm sure when he came through, yeah. someone told me he played in midfield most of the time and he didn't actually play fullback barely at all. If I remember, it's very vague memories, but I remember someone telling me he plays midfield normally for the youth team. Yeah, he did play midfield. I couldn't tell you exactly how many games was midfield compared to how many were fullback, but he did play a fair number of games in midfield at youth level for Hearts. Um, and, I, and I still, as I say, part of me wonders whether that's where his kind of long-term future might be positionally. He's got two really good feet. I actually asked him this question myself when I was interviewing him once at Hearts. You know, are you right-footed, are you left-footed? And he doesn't know. He says, I genuinely couldn't tell you because he just kind of does things instinctively and doesn't really think about it. So to have that, and it's very rare. That is that is pretty incredible, to be honest, because even, even most top footballers who are very two-footed will have a stronger foot, won't they? They'll still have a preferred foot. That's That, that must be very rare. Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking. So if you're, if you're that... You know, if, if you're that talented and you can use both foot equally, both feet equally as well, then surely the centre of the park's your place. Um, he's also he's, he's fairly decent in the air, reads the game well, mobile enough, technically good, you know, good on the ball, able to see a pass and execute it. So, why I'm sure he could play centre midfield if someone asked him to. But um, you know, Mark's right. I think uh, in terms of Scotland, I think he has to. Probably the, certainly the right side of the pitch, if you're talking full-back positions, the right side is more attainable for him than the left at the moment. So you might want to look at that. And uh, as regards Scotland for centre midfield, we're obviously really well provided for in there with Gilmore and McGregor and McGinn, McTominay potentially. Alan Campbell's just got a cap, so Ryan Jack as well. So there's, there's no shortage of competition. Certainly be interesting to see um, if and when that move goes ahead, how Aaron Hickey does in the English top flight, and of course for the national team as well. I was put, I was, I was just putting out there about the fee. I think it's a, a difficult one. I know many fans will react to it and think we should have had a, a percentage, a sell-on percentage agreed, but he didn't have long left on his contract. We needed as much cash up front as we could get, and I'm not privy to any information about how that deal went ahead or the specifics, but I feel at that time hearts needing as much money up front as they could. Maybe didn't have as much um, leeway, as much negotiating power as they would have liked in that transfer. And you just you just can't tell. I'll have yeah, to say, at the time, did I think... Time, it, yeah. was a, it was a good deal to take yeah. at that time, you know, when COVID had just hit and uh, the, the games had been stopped and we are talking about coming back with no fans. They'd just been relegated. So it was it was one of those situations where try and squeeze as much as we can out of it and... and and take what, what's on offer, and, and they did that. Yeah, and I think the thing as well is, I'd be lying if I said, thinking back, oh, no, we need to, he's going to go on and do great things. He's going to make us, he's going to make a lot of money for his next transfer. I thought he looked a real talent, but I've said that about countless players who've come through hearts and we've never seen them again. <laughs> so yeah. I'd be lying if I said at that point after less than, I think it was less than 10 games, wasn't it, when he was first touted around. I know he played, obviously, um, a lot more the following season at the cup final, but um, he, he he didn't stand out to me as definitely he's going to make it. I was actually quite surprised he got moved to Syria, to be honest, because there were spells in that season. It was a tough season to judge because he was a teenager 
and it was a very poor Hearts team, but there were spells he really struggled. So, yeah, hindsight is a wonderful and awful thing in equal measure at times. Yeah, it's um, he's certainly taken his opportunity and I like that about him. Uh, he's not phased at all. He's got a very kind of calm, composed manner. And you're, you're right there, Laurie, what you say that you know, he didn't look, let's be brutally honest, he looked like a very good young Scottish player, but he didn't look like a Serie A player in that final season at Hearts. Not yet, anyway. But he's gone over there and he's clearly worked his backside off to improve and he's been coached extremely well and he's taken his opportunities. I watched a few of his games for Bologna, as I'm sure you guys did as well. And uh, he certainly didn't look out of place. In fact, in a couple of the games, he looked like one of Bologna's better players. So, fair play to him. Great, great um Great opportunity for him now in Brentford. I'll get another bit of news, Mark. Um, the much-awaited announcement on the new announcer, uh, Scott Wilson. Mm. Obviously, um, didn't didn't retire completely from Hearts. He'll still be doing hospitality duties and hosting duties. But in terms of stadium announcement, um, last season was his final one at the helm for hearts and that obviously led to many applications and lots of rumors and links and uh today on the 5th of july we've had confirmation that graham easton and keith easton brothers will be taking over the duties very experienced in this area and i think you know at least one of them reasonably well yeah no graham very well big heart they're both big hearts fans but anyone in barry will know the voice and i'm sure probably knows graham as well He's a Scotland announcer uh, for the national mm-hmm. team games at, at Hampden Park, Graham, as well, and got a successful podcast. And the reason that there, there, there's two, there's there's going to be video screens, I believe, and I'm sure you and Barry yes. can, can inform as to where they're going to be. But um, that, they've got their own businesses as well, uh, multimedia businesses, and Graham will be the announcer. He's an excellent announcer. He's been doing it for many years. He stood in in the past when Scott's been away or when Mark Martin hasn't been available. Um, and his brother Keith is is very good with the technical side of things as well. I think that's a really good appointment by Hearts. Yeah, I think um, the Hearts announcement uh, said Graham will be taking on announcing duties while Keith will work as floor manager of what Hearts are calling a new match day experience for fans. And I think it shows, Barry, that Scott was always going to be a really tough act to follow. He created this, uh, you know, his persona, you know, and his just, how how much of a character he is made a stadium announcing job something much more because at most other grounds I don't know who I couldn't tell you who the stadium announcer is and I couldn't tell you what their voice is like because they just read the teams out play some music and that's it and many people will say that's all the job's meant to be but it does have an impact doesn't it on the atmosphere and this I think could be a big positive for Hearts in terms of developing as as they mentioned it the match day experience yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I, I do wonder if they're going down the kind of SFA route where a lot of Scotland games recently in the last couple of years, um, you've had uh, a, a stadium announcer at the side of the pitch and he's been visible on the screens, you know, sometimes just generally addressing uh, the, the supporters or reading out messages or playing some music um, with, with fans in the background behind them. Um, it seems to be something that they think at the SFA that's worked reasonably well in Scotland matches. So I wonder if Hearts are going down a similar kind of route with, with the, the two Eastern guys. Um, and the screens obviously coming in g- gives gives an opportunity for that. So, 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. But um, Scott's has an extremely difficult act to follow, and uh, they're brave trying to take on his uh, his mantra coming up in the next few months. But it should be a good. Uh, it should be a bit of a bit of a change, isn't it? You know, something a little bit refreshing. I think Scott. I mean, Scott will always be fondly remembered by our supporters, and indeed any of us who've been at Tynecastle regularly in the in what the last twenty odd years is it since he's been there? Yeah, since two thousand and two. Yeah, it's um, it's an incredible, an incredible shift he's put in, and and uh, a well undressed as well, I would say. Okay, last bit of news I want to to go through the new kits. So, home and away kits have now been released, albeit the away kit um, a bit a bit sooner than what Hearts would have liked. Uh, first up, Mark, home kit, uh, a bit of a nod. To a certain season at 2012 when the the design um nice dark maroon i think you've got hold of one already haven't you yeah mum sent one over she went into the store when it was uh when it was on sale and and bought me one um i like it um the neck the collar there's just something that's the only thing it's the smallest not criticism whatever it's just personal taste as well I just felt you could have done something a little bit better with that. But on the whole, I think it's a really nice kit. I love the away one as well. And it's no surprise to see the club put out a tweet yesterday saying there's not many sizes available will hopefully be restocked by the end of the month. It just seems that everything the club is doing right now um, that's visual uh, and visible to the fan, the punter, they're doing well. And we, the three of us, can all remember times where we didn't know our arse from our elbow, and we we still like, don't. The club, the club. No, I'm talking oh. about the club. <laughs> um, we'll, I'm not can't speak for Barry, but you, you and I are in that boat. But we we made a mess of things a, a lot of the time. Um, a lot of that has been rectified. A lot of things has been turned around. The club just seems to be very well run right now, and I don't think that will be appreciated and for maybe a generation or, or whatever until the next owners or whoever um, come in. Uh, hopefully the fan ownership can can continue for, for as long as possible. But just with everything from the kits to the season tickets at 15,500 being sold out to the Rangers and Celtic uh, tickets being reduced, quite rightly so, to Hibs getting the, the whole stand, which I'm perfectly fine with because I love seeing a full end at uh, at Easter Road, full of heart supporters. There's very little you can criticise the team about right now. But there'll be those that'll try, as we all know. Barry, they actually, I mean, on that note, I thought the recovery from the club... Um, oh, how excellent. ...in terms of the away kit launch. So, you know, there was no fault at hearts here, but Umbro inadvertently posted... Um, an image on their website which included the new hearts kit which of course in this day and age people will always find it and it meant it got shared so it wasn't meant to be released for a few weeks and they had to quickly throw something together on the day and put a very clever video out um which i thought worked quite well i think that maybe sums things up just now doesn't it in terms of hearts um off the field yeah i think it does <clears throat> excuse me they, they've got They've got the what you would say that is by and large the right people in the right areas and the right roles in the right departments. Um, so it doesn't matter what the issue is, whether it's a, in this case a marketing issue, whether it's commercial, whether it's football department, 
finances, whatever, they have the right people in charge. And uh, that, that kind of follows on from what Mark was saying there, that Hearts are in an extremely good place as a club just now. And in fact, I would probably say that in my time covering Hearts, I don't think they've had it as, as good as this. I think this is genuinely the best that it's been. Uh, and I've been covering Hearts for 20 years now. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that, Barry. 17 years for the evening news. So You I, don't I miss Vlad, no? No, I mean, I, for me, no, because <laughs> they, they did. Because you're a journalist and he didn't like you, lot. What's that? <laughs> because you're a journalist and he didn't he didn't like you a lot very much, did he? No, well, he, he, he didn't, but I mean, that didn't bother me personally. I actually quite liked the guy in a, on a personal level. Any time he was there, he would stop and, and chat away. And did I'd he give you a banana, remember? I managed to get one interview with him in a, in a taxi going through the streets of Liverpool after that Liverpool European time. Anyway, that's another story. Um, <laughs> I, I think, remember that time in the bank? Uh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't on that trip, Mark. But yeah, I did oh, were you not? That. Jesus Christ! We're, we're in this bank in Kaunas, and, and uh, he's like, "You go first. We're like, "Fuck off!" <laughs> Down at the basement in this vault, <laughs> no chance. <laughs> I've never been seen again. Some sort of gulag. Twenty-five years later, Jesus. Anyway, sorry. But when Romanov was there, they obviously qualified, finished second, qualified for the Champions League uh, qualifiers. But they never got to to group stage like this. Um, I know they were in the groups, the UEFA Cup groups. Uh, was it two thousand and three, two thousand and four? It was the it was oh four oh five. It was the season before. I mean, Romanov actually was, so was yeah, in and around towards the end of that season. Cup, but yeah. yeah, it was the so oh four oh five. You're in the, in the groups there, but it wasn't certainly didn't carry the same financial anything like the same financial rewards that, no. that, that these group stages will. So you know, and as we touched on earlier, settled squad and you know manager and coaches that are well established and foundation of Hearts. Look at the, the work that they've done over the, the last few years now in complete ownership of Hearts. So I just don't, I think this is as good as Hearts have, have had it in in the last two decades. Mm-hmm. And on the kit, Mark, um, of Stellar Omada, very fast growing IT company, the sponsors on the front of the shirt. Um, it's a bit different. The uh, website described the, the stunning new 22-23 square polka dot jersey, which also features a stylized crew neckline and maroon cuffs. I quite like it. It's Do lovely. you? Yeah, it's lovely. And is it just me or have clubs really upped their game? All clubs, uh, because mm-hmm. there's so, there seems to be so many decent jerseys out right now, home and away. And we've don't forget, we've still got that. I love that third kit. I wear that around the house all the time. I'm not going to be a full kit wanker and go outside or whatever, even though I'd probably get away with it. But that third kit that we've got, the kind of Inter Milan style, yeah, I think we've still yeah. got it the, this season. This is as so good a three... For the last couple is of years, it? actually, yeah. It's just... Uh, but there's something about not having a sponsor on a jersey. It's like a national team jersey. You can kind of wear it and you can get away with it. But, like, running around daft wearing Wonga on the front of your shirt, you... <sighs> nah, come on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. Their away kit's fine, but there's some really good kits out there right now. Yeah, I think the last two kits I bought is the are the third kits, the black one and the the Inter Milan one from last season and, and this season. But I, I don't always tend to buy though. I'm not, I'm not really the target market necessarily for for replica shirts. I don't buy them every season, but I do quite like those ones. And I think I might actually get the um, the new away one if if I can find one because yeah, mm. they're. They're selling so well at the moment that they're out. But no, it's good. It's good to see that we've got some nice kits out. And I think on the whole, the reaction has been very positive to them. 
Right, so Hearts have won 7 0. That's a full time scoreline uh, from Bayview or New Bayview. Nice pre season win there. And plenty of pre season games to come. Interesting, Barry, what Hearts are looking to do is to kind of replicate that European to, um, to domestic schedule of midweek weekend game, isn't it, over the coming weeks? Yeah, again, I think it's quite a, quite a clever, deliberate uh, ploy to try and just mimic the mimic the kind of scenarios that they're going to be going into in Europe by going away to Tranmere and treating that like an, an away European trip and doing the same the following. Oh, Christ, week. I hope we've got a better trip than that. Eh? Yeah, I hope it's a wee bit warmer than Tranmere. <laughs> <laughs> um, and doing the same the following week at Preston. To be fair, Robbie Nielsen's good at this sort of thing. I, I, one uh, one incident comes into my mind when he first took over at Hearts in 2014 and they'd just been relegated to the Championship and he'd, he'd obviously brought in quite a number of players who hadn't played in the Championship before. So he arranged pre-season games, one of them being away at Cowdenbeath specifically to show the players and take the squad up there. He took some of the young boys as well just to show them, look, this is what you're going to be dealing with during the league season. This is where we'll need to come and play. We'll need to battle and scratch and try and get points up here. This is what the dressing rooms are like. Here's the big tyres around the pitch, blah, blah. You'll just need to deal with it. So he's good in that sense of trying to preempt what's going to happen. It's like some sort of backwater European destination. <laughs> like Eastern European, uh, Cowdenbeath looking just like Sarajevo or Mostar or somewhere like that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so much, so much more goes into Barry, isn't there? I mean, when you when you spent time at Lacala recently, it's it's not just a, a a training break. Things are done for a reason, and that isn't just something that's like end of the season. Oh, what we're going to do for preseason boys? Everything's kind of done way in advance, and that's what we don't see, isn't it? Yeah, it's very methodical, which is I think it has to be if you're talking about it at this level, trying to you know, you're going to be playing European group stage football. It has to be methodical. It's got to be detailed. And and it's months and months in the, in the planning. Hearts were initially going to La Cala last winter. As you might remember, that was their, their plan for a winter training camp there. And that got knocked on the head because of the COVID, uh, rising COVID cases at the time. So they've put it back to the summer and used it um, as, again, a kind of a way to give players experience of the kind of stifling heat that you get if you go that far south. Um and they certainly, they certainly got plenty of stifling heat, so it should have it should have done the job in that sense. But it's um, yeah, the, you, you can't be flying by the seat of your pants, and I don't think for a second that Hearts are at the moment. I don't think the people who are in charge of Hearts would allow anybody to fly by the seat of their pants at the minute. And Hearts' preseason schedule at the moment will have a final game for Gary Locke's testimonial against Stoke City on the twenty third of July at Tynecastle. And a wee teaser that was put out there, Mark, by a certain Mr. Rudy Scatchel earlier today suggests that he will be involved. He posted, I think it was on Instagram, saying um, a lot of training ahead or something along those lines. Big match ahead with the Hearts badge on it. So mm, could be I, that could draw the fans in. I I, I wonder, and and. I, I hadn't, I haven't seen many testimonials. There's not, not too many of them around um, these days. But could Rudy Scatchel be the only one that takes the ball off the player whose testimonial it is for the last minute penalty and says, "No, I'll take it." Or if my memory serves me correctly, and a few of the boys who were his teammates, including a certain Mister McGowan, said, 
that Rudy Scatchell, despite he had a, a hammer of a left foot, was never someone that was overly comfortable taking penalties. Is that right? But he'd still find a way, I'm sure, to become the, the hero didn't of the game. Didn't take penalties in matches, generally. No, so, I, I mean, really. Hartley was obviously around sure. um, in his first spell. But, yeah, I think I think Ryan did mention something like that. But, no, I mean, it'll be a good occasion, I think. And it'll be great for for Lockie as well, obviously. A well-deserved occasion. Hopefully there's a good crowd at Tyne Castle for it. Um, I think we've covered almost everything um, in terms of pre-season so far. Uh, thank you for joining us, Barry. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Barry. No, no problem. It's, uh, it's good to good to chat, good to catch up as well. Um, first of many this season, hopefully. First of yeah. First of many good, uh, good chats and hopefully first of many good results for Hearts as well. Indeed, yes, Fing- we will. Fingers we'll crossed. Get, I was going to say, we'll get you back on in January and we'll, we'll try and see if we can get any more rumours out of you at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get much out of me. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Next week, we've got um, we've got someone I've, I've been trying to get on for, for a while and I'm delighted mm. to to um, confirm that next week's guest, following on from Mr. Barry Anderson and, and pre-season episode one, is someone who I just loved the way that he played the game because he, he left his all on the pitch in the 80s for hearts, um, went on to become our manager and brought through a number of young, talented players as well. And part of the reason for getting him on um, next week, at the, and the timing is to compare and contrast pre-season of yesteryear to the the pre-season of, of today. Barry was talking about La Cala in Spain and everything that went on there. They're all wearing their their kind of vests so the, the club can monitor heart rates and everything else and their fitness. It wasn't like that when our next week's guest spent time at Gullen with the 85-86 boys, Sandy Clark will be joining us next week on Around the Funnel, and I'm really looking forward to that. Most definitely. I'm looking forward to having Sandy Clark on the podcast, and we can maybe ask him about that time that he didn't give Mark DeVries man of the match when he scored four goals in the derby. We have to ask him. <laughs> you, by the way, I've seen people on the end of Sandy Clark's wrath. You can ask him that question. I'll, you're good at them. You do that with Robbie. We, we just do the softball questions. You can ask him that. Jean-Louis Valois. Got the man of the match that day, didn't he? He did indeed. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening to the first episode of our preseason series, if you will. Um, again, as I mentioned, we're looking ahead to the new season. We'll maybe make some tweaks. So if you've got any ideas, any feedback, any segments you'd like us to include for the new campaign when the competitive football starts, or any guests you'd like us to to try and get on, then do let us know. You can tweet at around the funnel. Or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Thanks again to Barry for joining us. Thank you to to Mark as well. And hopefully all will be revealed as to what's going on with Mr. McGowan by the time we're next on. Until then, goodbye.